Welcome everybody once again to the Low Key Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Aaron Lanton, and as always, I'm joined by Keith Denny and Tim Malloy. And today we're going to be talking about the new Netflix film, Windfall, about a, hmm, I forget, all these characters have no names. There's only four characters. Uh, so there's a man who breaks into a house and he's going through the valuables and he's about to dip. He's gotten what he wants. And as he's about to leave, the couple, uh, the large vacation home where the vineyard belongs to, they return. He doesn't get out the house before he's spotted. And then shenanigans take place. So <laughs> shenanigans. Why do you want such shenanigans? <laughs> well, because I mean, now this movie got some shenanigans, boy. Oh, this movie got shenanigans. Uh, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. We are going to be jumping right into those suckers early on. So if you haven't checked it out, this is your time to do so. And if you proceed, now we're going to hit it off. So, Keith, your thoughts first. You're the one who picked this film. Curious to see what you thought. Just We had to find something. Let me... (laughs) Well, you know, I was... First off, I just realized that they didn't say the character's name in the film. They don't have names. They don't have names. Okay. Mm -mm. Okay. Um, I don't know, like, it was one of those things where I was I was feeling that um, it's one of those movies that I think that it's pretty good to kind of like, you know, come across like if you just, you know, you know, scrolling through Netflix and you just so happen to come across something and you watch it like late at night, you might enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty not pretty much nothing deeper than that that I kind of got from it. Um, I felt like and I, I couldn't really get my mind around it to verbalize how I felt. I, I felt like there was supposed to be like some type of conversation between like what each character represents, which now I think is even deeper now that I realize that the characters don't have any names or whatever, um, mm-hmm. of them representing these different type of, um, I guess you could say, groups of people within society, right? So you have the white male uh, the rich white male, the uh, the the, the, the one played man, by Jesse Plemons. The one played by Jesse Plemons. Mm-hmm. We also have the poor man, played by um, his name is is on the tip of my tongue. Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel, and then we have the um, the woman that's played by Lily Collins. And I'm thinking that they play some type of um, being the representation of these particular um, groups of people within our um, society. Um, that's definitely the intent. That's what, yeah, that's why I felt the intent was. Now, how it was executed, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around that. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's why I'm at with it right now. What about you, Tim? I made maybe the mistake of Googling a lot about this movie in the middle of the movie because it was one of these things that I sort of had to pause and watch it again multiple times because mm-hmm. I was giving a bottle to a baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's made by Charlie McDowell, who is the son of Malcolm McDowell. And once I knew that, that was really mm-hmm. in my head because I love Clockwork Orange and Malcolm McDowell's the shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Lily Collins, of course, is the daughter of Phil Collins. And then mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons and Jason Segal made a movie before with Charlie with Charlie McDowell. Um, he's married to Lily Collins. So 
the director and the lead actress were married. So there's definitely like a labor of love, like sort of family close friends affair that they came together and made during COVID because um, they had a good location, which was one of Charlie McDowell's friends had a very beautiful mansion in Ojai that they could shoot in. Um, and so it's kind of like one of those, what, what movie can we make with these characters and this, and this backdrop kind of situation? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, I, I felt like it was a very COVID movie in that it was <laughs> you know, four people largely outside, socially distanced, safe. And as a COVID movie, you know, it's amazing, like great job. I just don't know if it knocked me over as just a regular movie. And I also just don't know if this type of movie gets made if the people involved don't have some connections <laughs> or some, um, I don't know, if they don't have like some, some sort of pre-existing stature that enables them to make this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you get this movie on Netflix with four unknowns. Oh, no. I mean, the, the Gardner guy, who's by far the most interesting character um, and the most, at least the most likable character. I don't mm-hmm. even know that actor's name, but he was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I just kind of felt like these people got to make this movie because they are who they are. Um, I was like, these are the actors I'm going to watch. And I kind of felt like Netflix probably went, these are the actors I'm going to buy it. Mm-hmm. Right. They had like enough of a profile and the director had enough of a profile that they went for it. But the movie just didn't really bowl me over. Like I, I get what it was trying to do with being a noir um, and to make some statements about class and stuff, but I didn't I didn't really buy it. Like the the statements about class, it just felt like what's the what's the correct way to resolve this? The sort of trapped woman shoots her way out of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah but okay so this movie for me is just, it's very weird to talk about um because i don't i don't feel like i understand why some characters take the actions they take now funny enough i did listen to uh, some people on YouTube and read a few things about what people thought about the ending. And it's weird. Cause I feel like most people didn't understand the ending of the film, um, which we can come to, to that later. Um, but in, in general, a lot of the statements about class and this and that just fell really flat for me in some ways, because it, I couldn't, it's like the movie in in one sense is like, there are no heroes here. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it is going out of its way to make Jesse Plemons' character, the billionaire, seem like a real jerk. Yeah. But I don't really feel like he does anything that's like super villainous here, you know? Um, being rich yeah I mean mean, he has some opinions that I don't personally agree with but like Mm -hmm. does he it's like is he doing things that are so vile that um, I feel like it's justified that his wife kills him no and I understand she may feel trapped but the way she feels trapped 
it it's like yeah so because some people are like well he's so controlling and i'm like i don't even see i see him as being somebody who doesn't acknowledge her you know the value that she feel like she has and and the the um maybe like a contribution to how things come together or he doesn't really value her opinion i see all of that um and at the same time i don't see anything where he's necessarily like keeping her from leaving either well and she is somebody as jason siegel puts it who made a trade like what but that's what i'm saying what what she's trapped by is if she leaves she can't live this life anymore and she can't so-called do the good she can with the resources available to her because of her husband's wealth that's where the trap is it's not him he's not he's not like abusive or like in a way that i mean i think he is like emotionally abusive you could say because he's not really acknowledging her in many ways but like I don't see anything he's keeping her from leaving because they did sign a prenup and he keep everything. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's so smug tr- and condescending and cheats on her. But he does want a family. Like, he seems to genuinely want kids with her. Like, it's, it's weird because, like, he might just be, like, somebody who maybe he's trying to do better for real. He didn't go to a conference that he was about to go to. He said, look, I'm we going to spend time together. Like, I'm, I'm you know, that's, in, you know in the past that but then you know of course like he had cheated on her like who knows how long ago that was whatever but maybe like in his mind genuinely this is the thing he's gonna try to do i don't know he's definitely somebody who has a huge ego but i don't see the thing that happens in this film that makes me go yeah she just gotta leave him immediately i mean he seems like a jerk plenty of times and saying they don't always vibe but i couldn't even get the sense that they definitely were gonna get divorced it just felt like they were in a weird spot. I mean, but I don't know. It, like, I kind of just didn't. It, 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 so that's one level. But don't, but just the, I'm, I'm going to let y'all talk too. But just like, that is how I felt about each of the characters. Though, like, I felt like I halfway understood where they were coming from. Yeah, I definitely didn't, didn't get that. I also did not understand why she she murdered him. Like, oh, I, I no, that, nah, that I totally get. To, no, nah, I don't get it, but to, to the point of like what you were saying, um can I can I explain it real about quick? Him being a jerk. I was just gonna say this. Mm-hmm. How is she any better if she's she in some type of way benefit off of him? But then so, also she's lying because she's taking birth control pills, but they're mm-hmm. supposed to be working towards having a child together. So here's what how everything shook out, I think. Now, I don't know initially why she was trying to hurry up and get out of the the ankle uh, ankle <clears throat> restraints they were put on when she was cutting everything over the glass. But the thing is, I think she because, you know, some people read the moment of her like trying to tell him about the rose tattoo and him saying he didn't care. They were like, oh, you know, she was going to try to run off with him. Da, da, da. And I didn't really agree with that. Um, but what I think made her decide to kill him was when he said the stuff about the birth control. Because on his way out the door, he made the billionaire feel feel bad, but he blew up her life right there. Oh, I'm saying, why did she kill her husband? Not necessarily. Because, no, no, because think about it. Now she has an alibi. Right. No, she could have had an alibi in the beginning. No, 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 no. Think about it. So, like, he the the dude is dead. 
Okay. And be, it just and because of the fact that he restrained Tom, him, the husband can't move. You so she the and then she puts the gun back in his yeah, she puts the gun in his in his hand. She wipes down the gun, and then she puts the gun in his hand. Because because so what happens is you can explain when when somebody show up, she can say, Oh, we were uh I'm the only survivor. The the gardener killed himself because he was running from dude because he shot a, you know a bullet that actually happened. So you can explain that. You can explain that you attacked him and got him from behind. You snuck up on him because he thought you were still restrained, and then you knocked him out because he had just killed your husband, and you just was so scared you didn't know what to do. No, I understand why she. You, I, I kind of don't, and I kind of do understand why she killed the one guy by beating him. Why she killed the kidnapper? I'm saying, why did she kill her? husband because she gets to keep all of the of the of the money that's the windfall i uh i googled today um gun residue tests and how they work uh you know she did it wrong when they can see when they can see who fired the gun um Mm. so if i'm arrested for anything in the next few days and the police look at my phone i just want to be super clear that that is why that's in my phone and it's oh. helpful to me to have that out there in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get this over immediately. Yeah. Just in case. Um, just that's all. But yeah, well, I the, think the, she did do it wrong. Just, she did, well, the way she did it wrong wasn't even just simply that, the residue, but you need to do it in an angle where it could be believable that he did it. Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I don't understand. I guess... So what I think this movie is lacking, like it has a little bit of um, plot in it, you know, for the most part. And like we said, kind of like this noir type of thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that to me, the motivations feel realistic enough to like go that far, like for her to like murder her husband. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, she she can get all of this. She can get all the money. Or well, possibly but I think she could. But, but here's but, the thing. I think if you if you go back and think about it, when she and the thief are having those conversations, he just is like, you're just like me. You're just like me. You know, like maybe not like you from the gutter, but like you and I are like normal people. You know what I mean? And when he goes out, basically, I'm, I'm just skipping to like the point where he asked her to go get the money. Because at first I was like, why? Why is she freaking out? Like, why are we why are we out here with her? Like, you know, in this this movie does like when you spend time with a moment, it's for a reason. Like the movie isn't just doing that to do it. And in right. this case, I was like, okay, what am I supposed to be paying attention to? And when I realized, because I was like, damn, she, she getting shaken up, she does, she that. She was realizing, oh, shit, like, I'm free if I want to be free. This is what it feels like. Because she could just take the money and run. But then she was like, wait a minute, I could do that. Or I could go get the real bag. I feel like she's not trapped enough to justify. That's what I'm saying. I just yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, now, that's the thing. I don't, I, now, how she get, gets there. Like I the the turn for me I don't I don't feel like there's enough there for her to get there because that's what I was getting at with the husband like I just don't see her being trapped in that way but I think what it was was like when he was speaking to her about that mm-hmm. it's not about entrapment and I think see that's the trap of this movie it's just to me she's changing into somebody who would be willing to do that to to take the fortune. Yeah. It's almost like she's going through like a like a, a whole character change right there in front of us. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. 
that makes sense. Yeah, that's very noiry also. Um, and she's also like apparently very offended at the death of the gardener who was played by Omar Leva. I looked it up while we were um, talking. He's excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, she seemed very offended that he died and sort of put that on her husband. But I kind I didn't of buy that shit put his all. death on her husband. Like yeah. that was, and I don't think the husband did the wrong thing in saying call 911. And I actually thought the gardener sensed that something was wrong and was trying to give him a smooth way to send him a note. Well, but so, man, I got to tell you, I, when you put your, your life in somebody's hands, you hit them a note like that. The one thing you're thinking to yourself is like, just get in the truck and read it first. At least get in the truck first. Like, don't yeah. don't be out there reading it while you walking and you got to sit and study it and, and then have your eyebrow raised and then do realize your eyebrow raised. <laughs> you know, like it's just turned to a whole thing. But so it was it was pretty funny, man. I actually, uh, I mean, the way it happened still felt natural. You know what I mean? But I thought it was funny because, like, by the time the CEO was like, that man had lost his mind. He's like, man, you're going to shoot me. Shoot me. You ain't going to do nothing. And then for the gardener to then be like, all right, that's my chance. <laughs> and he slipped like that. I was like, yo, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, it's like, it was like, I I was, my mouth was was wide open. But I, I it was because, because honestly, at this point in the movie, I literally am like, is this a comedy? Like, like before that, I couldn't quite figure out like tonally like what it was doing. Cause there are moments that are like kind of they're so absurd they feel like like they belong in a different genre. You know what? I think that's what I think is missing from this film. It's like I don't have a character to feel any type of way about. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a um, what did they say that um, there's just nobody to a, anchor you in the name. Yeah, there's no, there's not even a, a save the cat moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not a cat. I can't think of not one character, and I thought we would get this at least with the um, the actual kidnapper, the thief, or whatever, where you're like, oh, it's something about this person quality. It's something about this person that makes me feel like, um, I don't know, like. I want him to get away with the money or I want him to survive mm-hmm. so that when he does hey. die, I feel a way about it, but I, I just don't. The only thing I would say, not I think about it, the only thing I can kind of relate to, because I don't think how I read it when I, when I was watching the film, I don't think he intentionally broke into their house to steal anything. So, yeah, let, let's let's get into this. Keep I, keep going. Yeah. I think that just like when he when he said to the billionaire before he left, he said, "I want to experience what it was like to be you for a moment." And I did just, not like what he said right after that, though. Do you remember what it was? If you'd been like well, a nice guy well, and it felt the world felt balanced, it might have been. Well, okay. yeah, but think, it was like but he he was like, "Then I meet you, and you're just such a terrible person." What have you? But it's just like. And, and I, no, like seriously, like you, you will call him a terrible person. You in his house, and like yeah, see, I'm not gonna act nice to you. Seriously. See, that's the thing. I don't even, I don't buy that part. Like about him saying he a terrible person because that was yeah. not enough. Like you said, not yeah. enough evidence to say that he was terrible outside. He had opinions that didn't necessarily coincide with his. Because you, you know what's but, interesting about that, like the idea that you would have deference to a person who who is holding you hostage like there, there is an element of power and privilege there but it's funny because like th- you change a few elements this movie is like very different like if you have you know like when 
you know, black people, I talk about like when there's a situation with a cop, ain't no weapon got to be drawn, but you always using yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, trying to be nice, trying to keep stuff cool and calm. And the thing is, dude ain't doing that because he know, okay, he, I have what he wants. I don't have to be deferential. I'll give him what he wants. We, we just keep it logically. You know, he he don't do nothing crazy to us. He get what he wants. He gets to go and, and he gets something out of it. Right. So he the the power dynamic is weird because he doesn't want to get physical with him, but he knows at the same time, dude is very unlikely to hurt him because he needs him, right? Well, so, I also felt like he uh-huh. just he he just read his body language and his energy, and he probably felt like he wasn't gonna do nothing. He wasn't really a violent person to begin with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, but but the thing is, like, there's no reason to. It's like if you're him, you're like, yeah, this is a fucking con- complete, just silly thing to have happened to you, and there's no reason to be thinking about getting physical. You can talk shit to him. I mean, whatever, because like you just. It, it, it I, I'm just not gonna be. Not, I'm not saying that's how I would act because there's a different element going on. And I ain't got no power, right? If somebody show up in my house and my family there, but I ain't gonna be nice to the guy. That's it. I mean, you know, I might do that. I'm saying the first things out of my mouth ain't gonna be like yes sir, no sir, while you hold my family up. You know, the first thing so, I say is I'm gonna fucking turn around while you put a mask on. Like yeah, like yeah. let's finish this somewhat let's figure out a way to do this amicably where i don't fucking see your face and you have to kill me yeah yeah <laughs> i feel like i feel like if i see your face then i'm gonna try to attack you <laughs> because i but, because i think but, I'll back yeah you're dead but yeah. let's, let's go back to the 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 first real contrivance of this film that i honestly just don't really understand the camera right i, I just don't i mean I, think, would, I don't know, man. I don't it's know. probably Clemens camera. Huh? It's probably Jesse Plemons' camera. Who else? I mean, probably. Playing? But see, you know, the problem with that is if that is his camera, why the fuck ain't nobody show up? Why the fuck doesn't he have better security besides that camera? There's what? a lot of questions if you fuck? want to get deeper into it. But like why is my home security better than this Ohio millionaire's <laughs> home security? It's very confusing. I mean, like, but see, the only reason that doesn't bother me that much is because this on I'm fine with the idea, like, we don't have to know every single thing, but some stuff, if you don't give it to us, it just, it, it just, it almost ends up being a plot hole. The fact that the dude is in the house at all is a little weird because it's like, how'd you find the house? How'd you know nobody be at the house? I mean, he had the expectation nobody would be there, like, like Jesse Plemons said, like. How did you know this? What's your connection here? I don't have to know the full thing. I'm not super interested in knowing the full thing necessarily, but it would at least explain how he got around some stuff. I mean, but it's like, I wanted to think that, but he's such a blumbling idiot. Like it's hard for me to buy that too. Right. So I don't know. The movie, it just feels like it's contradicting itself all the time. Like the dude's slick enough to get there and have some information on, they won't be there. But then he just, it, he fumbles every single possibility for all, just all kind of things. Even like the idea, like if I'm sitting there and I'm the dude and I'm like, okay, they can't get half a million today. Make it 150. Make it what we originally said. Make it 150. Get the money here. Get the fuck out of here. Because you're going to settle for 5,000. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, there's just things I don't, 
understand. And I feel like a lot hinges on the audience has to hate Jesse Plemons. Yeah, it, yeah, and I just I don't, and I don't hate him. I don't feel like they they didn't pull that off. Yeah, like he he said he cheats on his wife. He's short with people. He's condescending, and he's really rich. That doesn't make me want to see him like get shot. He's not by even his wife. that condescending though. Yeah, and he's also reasonably condescending for somebody whose house has fucking been broken into, like you said. I was like, okay, I mean, and and if I'm talking to somebody who who robbed me, and I'm talking about how they got the mentality they can just take shit because they want to. I mean, yeah, that's what's happening right now, like in my fucking face. Like, I mean, I'm justified to feel that way. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, I just don't know what the movie wants me to do because, like you said. A lot of what happens later, like it feels like it hinges on you disliking him. And there's also elements, COVID, I, I assume COVID induced elements, like he can't go to a bank because that would require well, another location and having other actors. And you know, like this movie acts like it takes place in the 70s, like there aren't like PayPal and Venmo and you know, yeah. like all these other. I just just certain contrivances that come up. I'm just like I don't. This just doesn't think, work in the modern day. Move, I guess you can't move that much money at one one point in time, and he didn't. He couldn't. Um, he couldn't do like no electronic transfer of all that money. And then you give him the maximum you can get without it being a big deal, and he gets the fuck out of there. Now the whole deal was that they was trying to give him was to give him enough to where he can disappear. And apparently, one hundred fifty thousand wasn't gonna be enough. Well, that's them. Say, these rich people who like this is like on the rest of development when uh, she was like, "How much is a of a uh, look?" I'm gonna get it wrong. I don't remember anymore exactly. But I can't remember if it was too much or too low. She's like, "How much is a carton of milk? A hundred dollars or something like that." <laughs> like, is it, I mean, like they don't know. How the fuck would they know? They don't know. I mean, like they could know, but then that brings up other questions, right? Like. <laughs> How would they know that I would the money you need to disappear? I mean, it's like, whatever. I mean, uh, that's like, well, well, the I guess the the idea is that like it's it's whatever money you could use that so you can live a few years comfortably and 150,000. I even know that's not enough. Well, well, sure, sure, <laughs> like, but again, but again, I mean, you could they, probably they, they, live a year. They, they, man, I don't know. It's, it's it. <laughs> they're just different way. Like the only reason it becomes a cumbersome that that moment becomes cumbersome is because the tone doesn't stay that way, and then it turns like more serious. It's like the movie can't totally figure out like what it is that it wants to be, and I think you can switch up stuff and do different styles and all that. But there are times where like that just doesn't totally work yeah it's kind of like i don't know why it made me think about um you remember the, the movie clue back in the mm-hmm. day yeah love that like movie. i remember it being it's been a while since i've seen it but i remember it being like such a like good combination of like having that mystery but mm-hmm. also being like super funny at the same time and i kind of thought that this was kind of going you know try to kind of go in that route but just like what aaron is saying Tonally, it's kind of hard to, you know, pinpoint what they were trying to do as far as the actual tone of the film. I just can't figure out where I'm supposed to be because even like that moment where the gardener dies, I'm like, is that comedy? What's happening? <laughs> what it felt oh, slapstick to you? <laughs> <laughs> like I don't like it. I realized where like it's affected a real person because 
you know, Plemons and, and Collins are living this great life and are going to not be affected by losing $500,000. And Siegel thinks he's on the side of, of the good because he's robbing these people. Um, and then the gardener's like nicest guy in the world and a real hustler and like does beautiful artistic work, has two children, um, mm -hmm. has all these good things about him. And he's like really the only one in the movie who we are invested. In. Like the movie comes alive when he's in it for me. And he's the only one who I'm invested in and who I, I want to see make it out okay. So when he dies, that's kind of when they all turn on each other and blame each other. But he dies in like a comedy moment almost. Because he like, died. I don't know if you remember. It, it, the fall is so... The fall's weird, but then I don't know if you remember, after he fell, he like opens the door trying to come off and then he like falls into the glass even deeper. And then they were like, oh, oh. And I was like, I don't know if they're playing this for laughs or not. Like, I just couldn't tell. It was really weird. It's weird because it's the only real violence in the movie up to that point, and it's played very long and uncomfortably. Yeah. And and but it, it's almost slapstick violence, though. It's very like, weird to me. Tarantino violence. I mean, it's it's yeah. I guess the point is that it's like so ugly and so painful. You really do feel for the guy more, maybe. But it is it's a very unusual. Death. but so but then but the out. thing is like then you're like having a sympathy for like all three characters because they all are going through like this traumatic because all at the end of the day like they all are trying to get out of this moment like you know what i mean yeah like they all like they, they talk about it like like the, the dude robin introduces the rhetoric of like we're doing this together we're taking care of each other like that kind of thing right yeah for them to then have that moment together they're forever linked whether they mean to be or not even just from that day now to like Cause there's no good way to cover up what happened with that guy. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, like I said, it was, it's one of them films I, I could have not watched and I've been fine, but I think if I was just, you know, just scrolling through Netflix, you know, it was a cool little quick look. It wasn't that long. It was like an hour, 30 minutes. Mm. Yeah, it, it was it was tight, and it yeah. looks beautiful. The acting is. Beautiful. I like a lot of the things about this movie. It's just a very, just man. I just wish they had had just chosen more of a direction or something. It's like they were vague on every possible thing, from like the the murderous algorithm. Well, not murderous, but like the the algorithm that takes everybody's jobs to, you know, um, just everybody's <laughs> yeah. background to just everything. Like I I I just wish they had given us more to to chew on somewhere you know what i mean like we didn't get much thigh breast you know leg you know it was like they let us bite everything once and then took the chicken away right like damn well that's all right i, I didn't want you to want it no way yeah <laughs> i've been watching it like damn i didn't want to see where that was going but i, I don't know it's kind of like i guess a similar feeling i had when i watched malcolm and marie um, mm. I think I think that it's kind of weird because it's interesting, yeah. When I look at it from the from like the lens, kind of like what what Tim was saying, it's kind of one of the movies that was made because of the people that's involved. Mm. But not even just the fact that it was made in a COVID like movie. That. Yeah, but it's also the fact that it was on Netflix, right? Mm -hmm. But like, if this was like an independent film, be. I'd be like, man, this is like one of the best films here in this category. Like, you know, like if it was something, if I was watching it, like, uh, 
the film festival here or something, you know what I mean? Or yeah. in indie Memphis, I'd be like, damn, this movie is 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 incredible, you know, like in comparison mm-hmm. to everything else. Not saying that there's no great movies that's there. It's just I do think our minds or my mind goes to another level when I see a movie that has these actors with the money that's behind it and with it being on Netflix. That's I agree. Yes. I I totally agree. And that's what fucked up the movie for me. Because like if I hadn't Googled and I didn't, I guess I vaguely knew Lily Collins was related to Phil Collins. I had no Uh idea that Charlie McDowell was related to Malcolm McDowell. If I didn't know those two things, I probably would have liked it a lot more because I think I put really high expectations on it to be like the most brilliant movie ever. Right. (laughs) Because your dad was in Clockwork Orange. Like he knew Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick may have come to your house when you were a kid. I don't know. Like, I just like expect that to be like the great, and it's you're also making a noir movie um, with this promising setup. I think I expect it to be like the twistiest, coolest, most brilliant movie ever. And mm-hmm. when it just turns out to be like a well-made movie, um, I get let down by it. So that this may be a case of like nepotism works works both ways. And I'm not saying he got the job because of his dad or anything like that. But I'm saying when you have a Hollywood name, people put people assume that somehow that helped you um, mm-hmm, and they put mm-hmm. an expectation on you to be brilliant um, instead of just being fine. And I, I just can't separate it out of my head of like thinking that this, that because of the, um, because of the lineage of the people involved, this should be absolutely amazing. Also, anything with this is also not fair, but I always think Jesse Plemons makes really good choices. So any movie with Jesse Plemons in it, I, I was just about to say it. <laughs> yeah, he does make. I mean, he does elevate the films he's in. I mean, I think he picks some good projects, some I mean, interesting things. Anyway, he and he's like, I think because because I remember the first time I was like, man, this dude, it's something about this dude was when I seen him at um, Breaking Bad. Yeah, like back in the day, like when mm-hmm. he started off in Breaking Bad, then he was in this movie. What was it called? It's like a comedy, like Game Night or something like that. Oh, I never saw that. I yeah, that. yeah. I, that was the other time I seen him. I said it's something about his his presence on screen, and he was excellent in Fargo. So I seen him in all like these like smaller roles. You in and who? Because he was in um with that with Kristen Dunst too. Mm-hmm. The same way they were in the um, Power of the Dog together. Yeah. Like all these fantastic projects. So I was the same way as you, Tim. I'm like, okay, Jesse Plemons in it. This is what we're gonna talk about. I know it's gonna be great, right? And not to say that once again, not to say it's not a bad movie, but we did have coming. I feel like just like you, I came in it with certain expectations, right? Same thing with Malcolm and Marie. That's why I had the same thing where it's like, man, this really is just some shit like I could have actually made. <laughs> you know, when I saw Malcolm and Marie and 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 I'm thinking like, okay, we got Zendaya, we got um, um, David Washington. Is it John David Washington? But anyway, we got him. <laughs> we got mm-hmm. we we got the director from um, Euphoria. Like we got all of this, and I'm like, okay, it was it was okay, but it just and and I and I guess it's nothing. It's nothing wrong with it per se. I don't know. I have like mixed feelings about it, I guess. I guess because I think that they have so much money behind it. But at the same time, I think actors and like these big big time actors, big time directors, I guess they should have the um, 
so I would prefer. The openness to make these low budget films, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I don't even know if they had. The, I don't know if they had that much money behind it. I mean, for all I know, Char- I, I'm not going to count somebody else's money. Like Charlie McDonald, maybe like I refuse to touch my dad's money. I'm doing this on my own, and it's not like a super expensive movie. Once you, if the actors worked cheaper than usual, um, he borrowed the house from a friend. Like maybe this is like a very low budget movie for all I know, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know what I think, bro? I think that maybe Hollywood should, when they when they go the route of making these low budget films, maybe bring on directors, maybe, or that actually um, specialize in making these type of films. The reason why I say that is because I think that's I don't know. It, it's it's always something I find that's missing with sometimes when a big Hollywood director, filmmaker goes and they try to make something very small and indie. Mm-hmm. And McDowell's pretty indie. He's still pretty indie. He's See, like, I don't know yeah. much about him. He's like other, a legit, he's like a pretty respected indie filmmaker. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, it's because, because again, my prejudicial brain, instead of looking at him as, you know, up and coming indie director, Charlie McDowell, I'm looking at him as Charlie Malcolm McDowell. And mm. That, and that what makes the difference. That messes with my head. So even, you know, if Steven Spielberg's kid, you know, uh, Stephen King's kid has this too. I forget his name. It's Joe something. But even if he does it completely on his own under an assumed name, which he does, uh-huh. um, and maybe even hasn't taken a lick of money from his parents, and I have no idea, I'm He's still always comparing him to Stephen King. I'm still always like, you know? <laughs> He's pretty, it's funny, me and Randall was talking about that the other day, and I was saying how um, I think the only Stephen King's son, I, let me, I need to look him up. But anyway, the only book I can think about that he did was um, Horns. Yeah, and then, that sounds right. Yeah, huh? I'll, I'll Google too. And so I was saying, and, and um, Randall was asking me, she was like, oh, so is he, is he as good as his father? And I was like, I don't think that's a fair thing, you know, to make a comparison because no, it, it's, it's Joe Hill, I think. Yeah. Joe yeah. Hill. And I said, I think he's good. Like he's in his own lane. Okay, because he also did Lock and Key. Did he do this? Yeah. Oh, the the um Netflix series? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He's been uh-huh. part of that. But I was um I was saying, I was just pretty much saying that you it's hard to compare a person to Stephen King. That's kind of like yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say, like, cause cause because of his body of work and how long he has been doing it. But I understand that sometimes people see the chat. That's like me comparing um, Denzel's son, Denzel Washington's son to him. Right? Mm-hmm, yeah. It's not really, it's not fair. Or comparing um, Jaden Smith to, to Will Smith. Like it's, it's kind of not fair, especially at the point in their career where they where they are. And, and it's, it's kind of, I guess it makes you them kind of live in their father's shadow when you kind of compare them like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know anything about Charlie McDowell to be honest with you, but that's a that's a good point you bring up. I wish I hadn't Googled. I think I would have taken the whole thing differently. <laughs> I mean, I, I, this movie is interesting, man. Like, I just if they had just it, like this is one of the only films. I mean, I feel like this happened other places too. Uh, <clears throat> it's pretty rare where like an actor's like ability and Jesse Plemons actually probably ends up hurting the film. You think? Oh, you mean because well, he's too good? It, well, it, it's like there's something about him that's like 
he is definitely an asshole, but like you don't feel like he's like a bad dude, you know what I mean? Like, well, because you love Jesse Plemons. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's a problem. <laughs> well, the other guy, Jason Siegel, um, I generally think he's really good too. I mean, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh yeah, Dick I Lee. fucking love that movie. Yeah, and he's that new Lakers show, um, Winning Time. Oh yeah, how is that a couple show? Episodes ahead, and he's freaking great in that show too. He's a really good actor. Who does he play in that in that show? He plays the coach who is the coach before Pat Riley. I'm just trying to spoil Paul Westfall. Uh, yeah. Okay. Wow. You knew that off the top of your head? Dude, I used to be a sports writer. But that's from 30, 40 years ago. That's amazing. I, I, I'm an NBA historian, though. Yeah. Who was the dude before Westfall? I can't remember him. Okay, because but... that's the guy who created, like, who created, like, the Showtime um, method, and he's, like, kind of the genius of it, and then Westfall has to take over and be in that guy's shadow. Now, I do... One reason I have not watched that is because of the, the slanderous things I've heard about how to handle Jerry West. I'm going to get there, but Adam McKay took some real liberties, man. <laughs> There's a lot of liberties. Um, I really like the show, though. I think the fourth episode is incredible. It looks pretty good. Yeah, the, the fourth episode, there's this whole thing where um, the earlier coach, and I forget his name. He's an incredible coach. He was from Portland, and his whole thing was speed. His whole thing was like, don't pause for the pass. Just like keep the ball moving. Um, don't play he like can't be that guy. Hold on, let me just let me just double check. But yeah, keep just keep the ball moving and just like shoot as often as you can. Keep shooting, keep shooting, keep shooting. And that's kind of how they make the episode. Like they don't mm-hmm. do a lot of like, let's set up this shot, um, and then we'll do an insert, and then we'll do it. It's like the only- oh Jack McKinney. I should have yeah. known that. The way they shoot the episode is like the only thing you need is to see this insert right now, or you need to see this character for like half a second. That's all you need. We're not going to do like a whole setup. We're not going to do a whole introduction. It just breaks all these screenwriting, all these um, screenwriting and editing rules, I think, and just gives you like exactly what you need to see to understand it. Just like the mm-hmm. Lakers offense, which is really just a cool meeting of subject matter and delivery system. <laughs> I'm really, really interested in checking it out. Um, gosh, I'm really mad. I mean, Jack McKinney's an odd one because he only did 14 games, but there's Jerry West performing and Bill Sharman, which could be who you're talking about. I think Bill Sharman's McKinney. McKinney has a good excuse for only doing 14 games. I can't remember anymore. It's been so long. All right, I had to look got, it up later. You got in a terrible bike accident. Oh, really? Yeah, and that's when Westfall came in. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. It, yep, it's coming back now. It's it all just, coming back. I read the book because the show was so good. And, uh, yeah, it's so, good. Well, look like we said all we had to say about Windfall. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking about the NBA. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but if you like the pod, definitely, definitely, definitely let one friend know, recommend it, had them join the squad. Um, we would definitely love for you also to provide a review. Um, five stars if you'd like. Um, Keith, tell people where they can find us on the social. Find us on Instagram at the low key pod. Boom, Tim, anything to talk about for Movie Maker today? um yeah people should check out there's like three or four really good stories that we're super proud of right now on the site they're usually in the magazine we put them mm-hmm. up on the site for free um there's a profile brian tyree brian tyree henry who we've talked about in this podcast Ooh, um, really I'm back to Atlanta. A that's a good very good story um there's a very interesting profile of the director of morbius daniel espinoza mm-hmm. uh and tomorrow there's going to be a 
profile I'm pretty pleased with of Richard Linklater, uh, director of Apollo 10 and a half and also Dazed and Confused and Everybody Wants Some and Boyhood and just a ton of ridiculously great movies. Um, yep. So love that dude. Awesome. There's good things there at moviemaker.com. <laughs> I didn't realize I was even doing Brian Tyree Henry. He, um, you know, of course, you've seen his face again because of Atlanta. So he's had dope. 24 acting credits since Atlanta went off the air. Wow. Damn. <laughs> Damn, that man working. Wow. It ain't been that long. Yeah. Four years, <laughs> 24 credits. Incredible. He's trying to break Samuel Jackson's record. Yeah, that um, bullet train film he about to be in looks pretty like yeah. an anime. <laughs> man been working nonstop. I get well. I'm gonna see plenty of him. He, I'll tell you what, Ooh. man. He, I, th- I thought he was gonna slow down after that Godzilla check at uh, King Kong versus Godzilla. Nope. He also breaks down a couple of Atlanta episodes, and they're good episodes already. But when you like hear his explanation of what they're really about, they're even better. Awesome, and of course Atlanta's back. So. It would with some really crazy stuff, by the way, if y'all haven't heard the scene yet. But uh, well, maybe we'll talk about that one day uh, coming up with this season. Someday, one of these days. Okay. All right. Well, we'll holler at y'all next one. Thanks for joining us, and I'll see y'all next week. All right. Peace. Peace. Peace.